Hey, Merry Christmas to you. I appreciate you being here. I want to welcome those in the auditorium and, of course, those who are watching online. I just want to reiterate one announcement because I'm, I'm kind of having anxiety dreams about it, and that is this Sunday, if you like say, man, that was great, we should go back. Don't do it this Sunday, okay? Don't come back here this Sunday because everything's online and you can find all of our stuff online on our regular service times. And so just do that and uh, we'll all be back in person the uh, first Sunday in January. So I uh, kind of want to start with this and that is, would you tell your neighbor uh, your favorite Christmas movie? Just go ahead and take a second and just tell your neighbor your favorite Christmas movie. Come on, it's, it's an easy thing. No one's like recording this. So so like, I imagine like if, if your home's like our home, there's like, some of y'all getting some phone numbers, okay? We're just trying to do the Christmas movie thing. So, so uh, here, here's the thing. So like in our home, it's kind of a little bit of a debate every year, uh, maybe about the best Christmas movie. Um, I continue every year to, to uh, for my losing battle to convince my family that Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie because I think it is a Christmas movie. I mean, it's like everything good happens at the end, uh, but I'm afraid because we haven't watched it yet. But the last time I watched it was like 20 some years ago, maybe, I don't know, maybe even 30. And I'm afraid I'm going to watch it and be one of those movies we watch. And think, oh man, I shouldn't be watching this with my children right now. <laughs> you know, but anyway, we're, we're probably going to do that. Um, back when I was growing up, we had three channels, and, uh, and the only remotes we had were uh, myself and my two brothers. And so, you know, if dad ever wanted the channel to change, hey, Tom, go up there and turn the channel. But there were two movies on TV every year at Christmas time um, that I watched, and, and and the right moment, they could all bring a lump to my throat. And one is the Miracle on 34th Street. Do y'all remember that one? It's kind of, it's got some messed up ideas related to like, well, Santa and everything, but it somehow got to me. And then the other one that we watched, of course, anybody want to guess? It's a Wonderful Life, of course. Yeah, we watch that every year, and our family still watches that every year, and it will always get this lump in our throat. My daughter started dancing, and so um, I learned of a new story called The Nutcracker. I heard there's a movie, so I watched the movie. That's not an action flick. Just to let you all know, like the name would say, hey, there's someone's going to die. That's not what happens in that movie, and just a warning if you decide to watch that one. So there's one thing that all the Christmas movies have in common, so see if you agree with me, including the one that was your favorite that you shared a few minutes ago, and I think it's something that's kind of key to this, this time of year, and here it is. Every one of those movies, or most of the movies and stories we hear at Christmas, feature misfits on the margins of life. Every one of them kind of features someone who is excluded, seeking to be included, or, or most every story we view has someone on the outside, and they're not welcome on the inside. And probably when I ask you to share your favorite movie, some of you mentioned the character on the screens just now. So where were you for the last 30 years? The North Pole. Can you pass the maple syrup, please? I, I didn't put it. It's spaghetti. You know what? I think I have something. Yes. You like sugar, huh? Is there sugar in syrup? Yes. Then yes. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, syrup. So, will you be staying with us then? You mean I can stay? Of course you can. Emily. How, how long do you think you'll be with us? I, I hadn't really planned it out, but I was thinking like forever. Emily, can I just speak to you for a minute in the uh, kitchen, please? 
crazy. He cannot stay here. Clearly, he has some serious issues. We can't just throw him out in the snow. Why not? He loves the snow. He's told me 15 times. Walter, he's your son. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> Did you hear that? Okay, well, uh, Buddy the Elf of certainly is uh, rejected by the other elves, and then he can't really find his place that he fits in in normal society. And then um, Ebenezer Scrooge, if you like that old classic, it desires a family. He desires a family, but he's just so doggone mean he can't find one. And then you remember Kevin? He's this smart-mouthed little boy. He gets left at home alone and ends up fighting off like uh, two criminals the whole time. He doesn't fit into his family. And then let's not forget Cousin Eddie, who lives in an RV in the front yard and does the unspeakable things in the front yard in his bathrobe. And then there's Rudolph who has a shining nose. You know, Rudolph actually ends up on the island of misfit toys. And then the Grinch truly desires to be loved and accepted in Whoville, but he just isn't a very nice Grinch and nobody wants to hang out with him. So and all this sort of leads me to a question, if you agree with me so far, that all of us have said, you know, that this, this season features misfits trying to fit in. It leads me to this question. Why is the idea of the excluded being included central to the Christmas story? Why is it all the stories we shared a few minutes ago with each other, this is the central idea? What's drawing us as a society to repeat these things once a year? What do we need in society that's making us shout this message again and again and again? And I think there may be an answer to the question that has to do kind of with how all this thing began, how the whole Christmas idea began. In Scripture, there is a book written by a physician named Luke. And even if you've never heard Scripture, you probably have heard some of the things that Luke has written. And, and he said that Mary and Joseph heard from this angel Gabriel, and their lives were greatly interrupted by this announcement that Mary's going to have a baby even though she'd never been with a man. So nine months later, they're invited to go or have to go to Bethlehem to be counted in this census. Well, if you've ever been pregnant, nine months pregnant riding a donkey for a trip to Bethlehem, the baby's going to come that night. And that's exactly what happened for Mary. They get to Bethlehem and it's time for the baby to come, but there's nowhere to stay because there's a census going on. So they end up in a manger and Mary uh, delivers this baby in the manger. And that was all taking place. Luke goes on to tell, though, something that happens close by. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we've kind of messed up and sanitized the whole shepherd idea, and we like to think of them as nice people, like caring for nice sheep and, you know, writing songs and like putting glitter in their beards and stuff, you know. That's really not who the shepherds were. In fact, shepherds in their society, um, they weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law because nobody took, nobody thought, believed them. Uh, there, there was only one group lower in their society than the shepherds, and that is people with leprosy. So when you read shepherds in Scripture, that's not a place where everybody's accepted and welcomed. That's actually a place where it was kind of despised in society. In fact, shepherds, if to use our theme for the night, were the misfits of their society. They were the excluded. That's why they were out in the pasture. Maybe they won't hurt anybody out there with the sheep, and we'll just keep them out there by themselves. So why in the world is this group of misfits even part of the Christmas story? I mean, could God could have done it any way he wanted. Why do you include the shepherds? Why are they part of the story? Luke 2, verse 9. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, scary moment. I want to invite you a bit into Tom's imagination because this angel is actually interrupting misfits. And and I've kind of had some history in my background where I've hung out with misfits, and I don't know if they've been this bad or not, but there's a good chance when the angel showed up, the angel was inter- interrupting like a dirty joke or maybe a song that you probably wouldn't want to sing like just anywhere because these guys were all misfits. They had, nobody wanted them in society. They were doing whatever. They didn't, they, they didn't belong. And you know what's strange to me? Out of the entire Christmas story, the whole idea of the shepherds and the wise men and King Herod and all this, the only group of people that received a personal invitation from heaven to go and see the baby, the shepherd misfits. They're the only ones. No one else got a personal invitation out of the entire story. The marginal misfits were invited into the presence of the king. Why? Why them? And, and frankly, why are we featuring stories every year that features the new, new brand of shepherd? What conclusions would we all form if all we knew about Jesus was the Christmas story? What would we we decide about the kingdom that would be significantly different than other kingdoms we know? Who starts a kingdom with a baby in a manger being ogled by misfits? Now, we have a little bit more about this king in Scripture. In fact, Luke, the guy we've been talking to, he, he said this a little bit later. The king himself said, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So we have a baby, and the only people invited by heaven to go see the baby were the misfits. And then when the baby grows up and he's teaching one day, he says that. He came to include the excluded. He came to invite people inside who have been outside And the angel said the exact same thing. Angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, including misfits. You see, I think the world has kind of jacked up the meaning of Christmas. I don't know. Y'all can talk about it amongst yourselves. But somewhere along the way, we made Christmas about good boys and girls and bad boys and girls. You know, good kids get good presents and bad kids get put on the naughty list. The first thing Santa asks, if you go to sit on his lap, do y'all remember the day when we were allowed to sit on Santa's lap? (laughs) But anyway, the first thing you were asked, first thing you're asked is, have you been a good boy or a bad girl? I lied my way all the way through that, all the way till I couldn't sit on his lap at 18 years old. But every other time I just lied through that whole thing. Yeah, I've been good. I've been great. You You won't believe it. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of how this whole thing strikes me. That maybe we've messed this thing up. Maybe the Christmas is actually the way we're celebrating. It's the complete opposite of what was intended. Maybe the church has sort of jacked up Christmas as well. I wonder if we have. The angel said it was good news for everybody. Not just for those of us who look and smell like Christians. The angel says it's for everybody. Even people who haven't quite figured anything out yet. Even people looking. It's good news for everybody, this whole Christmas thing. It's not just for people inside. So if you're just visiting this particular church, you need to be clear. You're among some misfit people. 
I'm, I, they call me Reverend Misfit. I mean, we're some, mis, <laughs> we're some misfit people around here. And, and I think that's what Christmas is a little bit about. A little later, the baby at Christmas is going to inspire with these words. Everyone has sinned. Everyone's misfit. Everyone's been excluded. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. I suspect in the next 12 to 24 hours, many of you will gather around a Christmas tree somewhere, and you'll swap presents with people you love. Well, that whole idea of swapping presents actually started right here when God invented grace. God invented this gift, if you will, uh, a reward that you receive without deserving it. It's a gift that's just given to us who are misfits, who didn't belong, who were excluded, but God gave it to us. And you know what the response to grace was by the shepherds? Inexpressible joy. So on the side of the hill that day, there's one little angel up in the sky, and he's saying, and I'm assuming they're flying. That's why I'm doing this. I, I, I'm assuming they have wings. And so, like, this is the message of good news for all people. You know, that's what they're, that's what they're thinking. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like heaven couldn't stop it, couldn't hold it back any longer. It's like heaven just had to release it. It's like you shook up a Coke can and popped the lid, and this angel appeared to this misfit shepherds, and suddenly he's joined by this whole mess of angels. Check out what happens next. The angel was joined by this vast host of others, the armies of heaven. I have no idea what that is. I've seen armies before, but the armies of heaven joined this one little angel in the sky to who? These shepherds? These misfit people? These people that don't belong in society and they certainly don't belong in a church. The angels show up and, and so all these angels of heaven, look what they're doing. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Can you imagine what that sounded like? I don't know what an angel of heaven is, but can you imagine a whole army of them plastered across the sky to these few shepherds singing glory to God in the highest heaven? I mean, the shepherds, these misfits heard the greatest sound ever heard on our planet to date. Just the shepherds. There was nothing silent about that night. It was actually joyful. It was celebratory. It was filled with hope. It was peace bringing. It was comforting. It was deep breath taking. It was this moment in the sense that maybe everything's going to be all right. Not because of our current ruler. Not because we're no longer shepherds. Not because of a change in circumstances. Not because of a vaccine. Not because we won the lottery or found a miracle cure. But everything's going to be all right because a new king building a new kingdom has brought a new gift of inexhaustible grace to the planet. And so, of course, the shepherd misfits who had just seen this wonderful concert in the sky had to check this thing out. The shepherds said to each other, gee, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Something fits with misfits visiting a barn to see a baby born under suspicious circumstances that angel is called a king. I've been thinking about something this year. I wonder, if the, I wonder if the shepherds were allowed to hold baby Jesus. I know that seems kind of weird, but like, if I go to visit people in the hospital and they don't know me, 
they'll often let me hold their baby. <laughs> if they know me, not, not usually. But if, they, if it's a second or third baby, they're like, yeah, sure, hold it. We don't care. Take it home with you. you know that, but if it's the first one, you know, we tend to be more protective. But man, by the third or fourth, they're like, here, take this. You know, that kind of thing. But I just wondered if Mary had this moment when these shepherds were around and she just said, hey, do you want to you hold them? Wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine the misfits of a society holding the king, the new ruler, the new kingdom? A little bit later, the baby would say something in his life that might hint that this happened. As an adult, the baby would say, those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last See, this Christmas story thing that we celebrate at the end of a year, it's actually just the beginning. Jesus is just getting started in including the excluded and inviting those who have been outside inside. If you read anything about his life, and you should when you're ready, when you want to, but I think he, he would go and like talk to people in society that society had rejected, like prostitutes and tax collectors and um, he talked to people who'd been caught in embarrassing moments in their life that the whole town was talking about, but Jesus didn't. He talked to people of a different race when it wasn't even, or when it wasn't even right to do that. Uh, and his whole society would, his whole people would, would, would speak against that. And, and yet he did that. He built bridges all the time, and he would constantly be about inviting people who are outside, inside. Apparently, this first group of misfits understood. Because look how they responded after that moment in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds were astonished. This is the same group of people that could never testify in a court of law. But now everybody can't get enough of what they're saying. And I think it has something to do with the news they were sharing. For the first time on the planet, the message was a good thing. The amazing news is God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son for you, not because you're good. Not because you were never on the naughty list. But because he's good and he's bringing a gift of grace for you. You don't have to get all polished up and shined up like you think a Christian looks like. It's your gift whether you take it or not. The amazing news is good. God doesn't command for, for you or for me to clean ourselves up before we stumble out of the field or the shadows or out of whatever to present ourselves to him. But he sees us now and he invites us into his presence as we are, misfits and all. The amazing news is he has a gift for us. We don't deserve it. Nobody does. You know, every time we have a Christmas Eve service, I feel like there are always people who feel like they, they're like guests. You're really not. If you're a misfit, you belong. The older I get, the less I believe in chance. I think God has all of us in this moment and this time for a reason. I know we come to Christmas Eve type things and we think, well, we're here because it's a family thing or a family invited us or maybe some friends invited us. And maybe that's why you came because you love them. And, and I, I respect that and I think that's awesome. But I wonder if part of why we're all here is because God wants to remind all of us of the gift. 
that he wants to give us. God doesn't want to condemn you. And if we taught that for a reason, while well, maybe we should apologize for that. He doesn't want to condemn you, so, so maybe you should stop condemning yourself. He doesn't want to punish you, so stop punishing yourself. If he wanted those things to condemn you and punish you, if that's what God was all about, why would there be Christmas anyway? I mean, why would he even bring Christmas into the picture if all he was interested was spinning the world and said, ah, stinks to be you? There wouldn't be any hope in that. That's not what he did. So, Lisa and I, we live in the woods. Um, if you go down our drive, which right now is washing out, I'm sure, but it's like a, it's like a half mile of gravel drive. And so, um, and so, like, uh, you, you leave the, the lights, and there's this, like, a half mile of just darkness. And, and if you go to the end of the drive and you turn to the right, you end up going up around a little bend, up a little hill, and eventually right there you'll begin to see our house that sits right there. And at night, especially, there'll be a light on that front porch for you to see. And that's a good thing. Because light means that somebody's home there. Light means a place where I'm loved and I'm welcomed. Light means it's a place where I don't have to knock before I go in. Light means I don't have to take my shoes off unless Lisa's home. Light is a place where even the animals like me. (laughs) Even the animals greet me and are happy to see me. I like that image of Jesus welcoming me especially this time of year, respectfully of Jesus welcoming you. I think a lot of us could say that life is kind of like this. We go on this dark road, and certainly 2020 seems to have been darker than most years to date. And we're all finding our way down this dark road. And we're hoping, eventually, for light. And we keep trying trying to fix ourselves, trying to understand, trying a new way to kind of find peace. And yet it's still dark, isn't it? We light candles at Christmas time. We're going to do that here in a moment. And I think they're a witness to this truth about misfits that the baby would say again a little later on in his life. The baby would say, "We, uh, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadows, a light has shined. I wonder if you'd help me just a moment. I'm going to read this first part, and I'll point to you, and you help me read this part. So, those who lived in the land where death cast its shadows, a light has shined. What if your dark road is almost over? What if that's why you're here, because I don't think it's by chance? In a moment, we're going to sing Silent Night. It's one of, another one of those Christmas traditions that occasionally will put a lump in my throat, right? It's the third verse that always gets me. I'm never able to sing it because it has this little clause, and the little clause is, with the dawn of redeeming grace. And there it is in those six little words, light and grace in one beautiful package. Good news for all the misfits here. All the misfits in the world, we can be part of the dawn 
of redeeming grace. So if your road has been dark this year, and if you feel maybe it's time for something new, longing for light, then I encourage you to think about that in these next few moments. Just take a little personal inventory about where you are. Is what you're doing working? And if it isn't, should you try something new? Because everything I understand from Christmas is it's about getting people who have been excluded included. Misfits finding a place where they belong. Lord, thank you for these good people. Thank you for the honor of having this moment with them. I thank you for their grace toward me and listening so respectfully. And Lord, my prayer now is that you would speak to our hearts. I don't know if any, everyone knows how to pray in this room, so uh, I don't know. But my encouragement to you is this. Um, if you want to, just talk to God. If you've never done it before, you kind of talk to him like you'd talk to me. It may feel silly at first. But it's just between you and him and talk to him about the long dark road you find yourself on this year talk to him about the things you're feeling and thinking and if you feel so led and so prompted ask him to be your light ask him to forgive you because we're all misfits we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory everybody has think about it just have a conversation with God in the next few moments and then we'll light some candles